Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Zach, and welcome back to the playbook. I got two special guests with me here today. First off, my good friend from the United States Marine Corps, Zach. How's it going, man? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. And a special guest here from Pay Your Dues Podcast, the host and creator, Ash. How's it going, man? Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me on here. Very happy to be here. Uh, I'm glad, glad to hear that. And today we're going to get into all of week one college football. I hope you enjoyed and let's get right into it. And I want to talk about just the upset disasters some teams had close to the goal line, miss kick, whatever. How do y'all feel about them games, them tight games that should have been won, should have been lost? Uh, the first one that jumped off, is, there's two games. I'll, I'll just talk about one, but UNC one was crazy. Uh, it's so many, so many points that were scored. It was almost like 12 games. Uh, I wouldn't call it an upset because it was favored in close, but it's close to pulling it off, but Okay. And Ash, what, what game really got you in the heartstrings? I'll be honest. Like the one that just really stuck with me was last night on Sunday. I watched that Florida state LSU game with people who were Florida state alumni. So I was getting hyped with them. I just know that depending on how, uh, how my favorite team plays this year, I may or may not be adopting the Florida state Seminoles for the 2022 season. Just because you look at the way that the last two minutes of that game was just complete. The emo- it's going to go down as one of the best games of this season, if not like of like the last few years, maybe even the last decade or so. Because you have FSU has the ball. They're up by a full seven points. They punt it over to the LSU Tigers. The guy muffs the punt, and FSU has the ball within the 10-yard line. And then two plays later, they fumble it at the one-yard line, and then LSU gets it back. Then they march down the field. They get a guy out of bounds with one second left. They get the touchdown. Then the extra point gets blocked. It's just absolute insanity. College football is back. Uh, college football is in back indeed. And you almost had a top 15 upset with this game, ECU versus NC State. That kicker, no love this week. Uh, you can't you can't blame for the first one. Laces were in. Every holder should know. Laces out. You're good. Could have tied the game. Everyone, uh, it's over. They're going to run the clock out. Do whatever. Interception. 20-yard return for it. And then they drive into 35 yards to the field goal. And then all of a sudden, shank right. So it was just a heartbreak for a team that could have used that big win in that time. And then speaking about the FSU-LSU game, I'm happy LSU lost because, you know, Alabama fan. But you just – you hate to see that just from a college football perspective because, like, y'all had plays go y'all's way and you couldn't capitalize at the time. But 
Speaking about FSU, let's get into that dirty, dirty ACC conference and where it looks somewhat of a three-team race right now between the big boys, Clemson, uh, FSU, and Miami. How do you feel about that one, Ash? Absolutely. I mean, I know that right now FSU is not ranked. Miami's ranked number, what's that, 17 or somewhere in that area. They're somewhere yeah. between 10 and 20. So I depending on how, like, of course, once we get into the conference play, that's the real factor. But it's looking like the Florida State-Miami game is going to have high stakes in the ACC this year. Possibly, I mean, depending on if both teams are the real deal or not, they may rematch in that ACC championship game. Of course, Clemson has that high four-seed ranking right now. So if they're going to live up to what Dabo's been doing the last few years, up until, of course, last year he kind of took a step back. But if he can keep it going for what he's been doing, I mean, you're going to have a serious ACC matchup when you have Clemson going down to Florida State in a few weeks. Oh, you should. You should. Sofer, how do you feel about your conference in the ACC? Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not ready to uh, say Clemson's going to be this group of guys. You know, it, 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 just, it just really hasn't – it just really hasn't translated, and they lost Brent Venables, their defensive coordinator. Uh, that's that, that's going to be mm-hmm. big for their defense because – Clemson, they, they haven't really been known for their defense, um, but but it's been solid. It, 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 their defense has been consistent, and without without that knowledge there, it's going to be going to be hard to replicate. Um, FSU looked promising. Uh, Jordan Travis definitely has taken um, some steps as a quarterback to um, you know solidify himself in that starting position. But Miami, Miami, they're the real. Uh, I think they're the bell of the ball this year for the ACC. Um, Mario Cristobal coming down from Oregon, um, bringing his recruiting prowess and just his, his tough, his tough coaching to a team that really needs it. Honestly, like Miami, they haven't really, they haven't been a tough team the past few years, uh, probably longer than that, that, or probably 10, 15 years now. Since 2001. Yeah. Like Miami hasn't been, hasn't really been a tough football team. Mario Cristobal could be the guy that returns that. And if the U comes back, I think the ACC gets real interesting. So absolutely, my my take on the ACC is you 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 got uh you got that three team race. I believe the Seminoles are going to triumph out of that three. I think they beat Miami. I think they beat Clemson. I, I think they run away with it. They showed me not too much, but enough toughness because that LSU game wasn't a game of skill. That was a game of who wants it more and who's going to take it. Clemson right now they're playing Georgia Tech. Don't know the score. I uh, don't have the score with me at the moment. And then Miami, they didn't really have a challenge when they played their game. So the only one that's battle-tested, in my opinion right now, I know this is way early, but I think FSU, if they continue making improvements on their game, that they're going to come out being the top dog in the ACC. Now let's talk about their older, stronger, bigger brother in the SEC, which it looks like as of right now could be a three- to four-man race two in each division between Alabama and Texas A&M and Florida and Georgia with a couple of dark horses. Zach, let's start this off with you. How do you think the SEC did and will shake down after week I'm one? Very, uh, I'm, I'm very disappointed in you. You're not mentioning Arkansas. Like Arkansas, they're really – just talked about um, Florida State battle tested. Arkansas, they put away a very scrappy Cincinnati. You know, Cincinnati lost Devin Ritter, Jerome Ford, years from – but I mean, Luke Fickle's back. He, Luke Fickle's a their defense is, look, look 
looks stout still, but I mean, Arkansas just, Arkansas, they, they just look like the, the physically superior and more talented team with KJ Jefferson at quarterback, who he looks like he could be, he, he could make some noise. And uh, I mean, you put Texas A&M up there and one I don't see it with Jimbo and Texas A&M, honestly. They made too much noise against Alabama on the offseason. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it. I think, I think Alabama's going to put it on them this year when they play because of that. What about you, Ash? I know you're not the biggest SEC guy, but, you know, good football when you see it. Yeah, so, I mean, those top five rankings, you have Georgia and Alabama came out, and they solidified their ranking in the top five. We, of course, need to see the rest of the season to see if they're going to be perfect or where they fall when their imperfections are going to come across. But I think one of the biggest things that stands out for the SEC of this week one was you see the Florida Gators take down the Pac-12's top contender team, the Utah Utes. So, I mean, Utah, of course, if they're the real deal, may be able to come back and have a successful season. But the fact that the Florida Gators are taking an unranked team that they have new head coach with Billy Napier and the Utah Utes have been a team that's been contending for the PAC 12, if not the playoffs, the last, I want to say five years or so. So, I mean, that, that's, that's a statement right there. Just the fact that they were able to pull that upset. I believe the spread was two and a half points towards Utah. So take that spread and flip it towards Florida. That's how the game went. Yes, sir. And no one's showing love to the rest of the SEC. So I will, you got basically, the little brother of the SEC, Vanderbilt, getting it done against Hawaii. You you have Kentucky. Before LSU lost that FSU, which ain't a thing to hang your hat on so far, the SEC was 14-0 and against other opponents. So the SEC looking like the dominant force in college football right now. We'll see who falls off that strength wagon and who stays on when conference play does come about. Now, getting into possibly the biggest competition to the SEC for the best conference in college football right now, I'm going to let, let Ash start this off about the Big Ten. So with the Big Ten this last um, weekend, we didn't really see any upsets for Big Ten teams. I mean, there were some that maybe you had higher expectations out of them, <laughs> Iowa, but for the most part, every game did go the way it was ex- intended to. I think actually the Indiana beating Illinois was really the only one that was surprising. But I mean, the Big Ten's coming out with a pretty strong showing, just like the SEC so far. The only losses that the Big Ten has so far in the season are to other Big Ten teams. You have Northwestern beating Nebraska back in week zero last week, and then that. Illinois loss that I just mentioned, and as well as also Penn State and Purdue. If you guys got the chance to watch that game last Thursday, that was definitely a solid contender of a game to watch. Of course, that uh, Pittsburgh and West Virginia game may have stolen the show a little bit, but this was definitely a good one for it. But, I mean, the the Iowa Hawkeyes are just exactly where you expect them to be. The defense is back stronger than they were last year possibly, and the, the offense is also back, same as last year, maybe a little bit weaker too. But then you also have Rutgers pulling off the win against Boston College. That was the most surprising thing we probably saw of the week. Yes, sir. How about you, Zach? I know you're an ACC guy, and your alumnus Notre Dame got beat by a Big Ten. Uh, well, um, Notre Dame, I mean, they they, they fought hard. Um, they fought real hard against Ohio State. Ohio State just grinded them out, which, I mean, I mean to be fair, I thought, I thought Ohio State was going to blow the wheels off of them. Uh, you know it's Notre Dame, but I mean 
they yeah. fought like that, that. That was a, that was a very tough and gutsy performance by them. It looked like they were going to be able to hold him off, but those adjustments that Coach Day made in the second half and into the fourth quarter, they just grinded him out and they got a very tough win. Um, I'm interested to see on how uh, Ohio State does the rest of their season. I mean, you still have Michigan who can be a potential thorn in their side. You got some quarterback stuff that they're trying to figure out. You know. Uh, is it going to be McNamara? Or is it going to be the uh, the other kid? Um, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. But you know, Big Ten they look good. Definitely second best conference in the uh, FBS, no doubt. I think Michigan is really the only Big Ten team that came out with a super dominant win against Colorado State, fifty-one to seven. I mean, well, also Wisconsin, Illinois State, thirty-eight to zero. But you had like those SEC teams that we were talking about. How there you have. Georgia beating Oregon 49 to three. And then you have Alabama being Utah state 55 to zero. Like you're not really seeing too much of that within the big 10. As I said, there's a couple that were complete blowouts, but for the most part, a lot of these games were relatively close. So, I mean, it's hard to tell like exactly at this point in the season, if the big 10 is going to be able to compete with the sec, but it is looking like the big 10 is still going to be like the, the tough conference. It is where a win's a win, regardless of how much it's by. Yeah. Especially in Iowa's case, the only team in the last 25 uh, years to get seven points without a touchdown and win the game. And I know we talked about this on your podcast a little. I, I still believe that Iowa is the dark horse in that division. You have them pretty names, Michigan, Ohio State. But at the end of the day, I think toughness in the Big Ten this year is going to go far because Ohio State, even though they got the win in Notre Dame, it wasn't a pretty game for them. They looked off sync in some plays. First half, you were just like, this ain't the Ohio State team I remember that's going four or 500 yards a game against other teams and making it look easy. C.J. Stroud didn't win any Heisman points from that performance. And with Michigan, they do have that quarterback controversy. And they also have that back controversy with uh, Harbaugh, who's, who's rumored, not heavily rumored, but rumored to be looking to go back into the NFL again. So I don't feel like Michigan, whoever wins uh, against Michigan, Ohio State, good for them. But I feel like Iowa is going to push past their, like, hey, we're Iowa. We're not top tier yet, but we'll be there. And they get to that point this year. And I, be- I just believe the Big Ten had good showings from their top teams. But it's overshadowed by the SEC just blowing the doors off of everyone and anyone they saw this week besides Florida beating Utah. And now, speaking about um, blowing, it is the Big 12 we're talking about who's just (laughs) blown their whole image away, basically, from a power conference to we can still beat the (laughs) Pac-12. Ash, how do you feel about them old Big 12 guys? I mean, the Big 12, they had the matchup West Virginia-Pittsburgh. The Big 12 fell on that one, only by one score, but... But they they did fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, TCU was able to pull off the win against Colorado, which conference to conference that that's a big one. But I mean, besides that, you look at the rest of the Big Twelve, the matchups. They're just they're not any big name matchups that really can tell you a whole lot about where they stand relative to any other Power Five conference. As I said, you have just those two games against other teams. Where I mean, I think Pittsburgh's going to take a step back this year than where they were at last year. Colorado, they've. They're, they're Colorado. Like, you don't yeah. really have super high expectations for them. So, as of right now, like the Big 12, you can't you can't compare them. But I would say that just based on how it's looking so far, 
it's looking like they're going to be a very middle of the pack team. A mid- middle of the road division. And what about you there? Oh, yeah, Zach? I can't really argue with anything Ash said there. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things. They're in a weird spot as a conference. They're losing Texas and Oklahoma. They're bringing uh, Cincinnati to the fold. I think, I think there are some quality teams in big picture, uh, Big 12, but I think ultimately conference is wrong. Brent was like fire into that Oklahoma team. Uh, play real good defense. And we know the Big 12, they're coming with offense. They just, you know, but, um, you know, I mean, maybe maybe they can make a shot at it, but I think, I think you know, New Year's Six Bowls are for teams like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Baylor. That's, you know, they'll be fighting for those spots. Yeah. I do agree with the Big 12. Their hope isn't playoff bound. It's New Year's Six Bowl or bust. Because, let's be honest, once Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma, their expectations took a little hit because he took their quarterback. Spencer Rattler left, who was supposed to be the guy last year. Didn't look strong in his uh, starting performance in South Carolina. And then you got Baylor, Oklahoma State, Known to be them teams that are like, hey, we're here, but we're not pushing for anything bigger than January 1st, December 31st type deal. I just feel like the Big 12 is just in a weird predicament. Like, hey, we're about to lose these big names. Either shut up or put up or we're going to end up looking like the Mountain West. Right. Mac division type deal. The the Big Twelve, I, I agree with what with the, with uh with what Zach said that the the Big Twelve's goal should be to get one if not two teams into the New Year's Six Bowls. Is it possible for them to get someone in the playoffs? Yes. Is it probable? I I wouldn't really say so. I mean, you you really just have to have either like Oklahoma or Texas or even Oklahoma State or like Baylor just come out of nowhere and just run house and then make it. I mean, I know last year like the the Big Twelve championship, Baylor Oklahoma State was one that's. It, those two teams are not expected to be the mat, the championship matchup. So, I mean, the Big 12 sometimes is one of those conferences where a team comes out of nowhere and just does exceptionally well. I mean, the way TCU beat Colorado, what if Colorado ends up being a decent team, TCU's even better, and then TCU ends up being a, a top-five team? Who knows? I mean, it's all, just, it's all just really so early to tell. But, I mean, yeah, the Big 12, as of right now, I would say you're not looking at playoff material, but you are looking at maybe a, a couple top-10 finishes. Yes, sir. And now, uh, now a conference that's kind of been left for dead, not really with some of the teams, but the Pac-12. So, for how you feel about from yesteryear to now, how the Pac-12 shakes out? I mean, out. the Pac-12, man. I mean, they really had they really had chances to show that hey, you know, we're still here. You know, saw going on the road to the swamp. So, yeah, they played, they played admirably, but they, you know, you lost. You can split air. Lost to an Georgia. Um, they look out bad. Bo Nix is still Bo Nix. Um, <laughs> and it, it just wasn't well. Their only hope at an undefeated conference championship really is USC. But I mean, as we know, the Pac 12 is one of those conferences. Up on each 
overall season. Like once they get to the uh, the bowl Pulls a upset, you know, they win like five, six games, but hey, you know, they're going to beat the number five team. So it's it's just one of those things. It's, it's not looking good for them, big picture wise. Yeah, what's your thoughts about a mash? I do like uh, that that comment about um, Bonex is still Bonex. It just goes to show that transferring schools doesn't fix your problems. Uh, but I will say that. USC definitely is like the the most contending program in in the Big 12 as the current standings. I mean, Oregon State had a pretty good win against Boise State. Uh, Arizona State beats who was that? I just lost it. Oh, Northern Arizona by 40 to three. That's a big one. And then of course, like as I said, Colorado lost to TCU. So a lot of this, it, I'm not really too impressed by it, just because like the two top programs, Utah and Oregon, came out and just. Utah barely lost, and then Oregon gets their ass kicked. Like last year, an entire year ago, you have Oregon that was in a similar ranking. They went into number three ranked Ohio State and just shocked the entire college football world with the huge upset. And then this year, you're thinking the game against Georgia is a similar opportunity to do that. And then they just, no, they just fall short and completely short of it. 46-point spread, that's that's embarrassing, to be honest, for them. That is, It is embarrassing, and... I feel like later in the road we're going to give some predictions for week two that might shake things up a little bit more. But the Pac-12 really laid a goose egg. They showed that they're the worst conference in the Power Five with possibly their number one and two teams. They're like, hey, this is our playoff teams. Go show them why we're playoff contenders. Oregon, I don't even know if they were playing football. But they showed up to a glorified home game with Georgia and got demolished. And then you got Utah, who fought valiantly in the swamp with swamp-like conditions, throwing up everywhere. Their defense cracked at the wrong time and let AR-15 stroll on in for the game-winning touchdown. And I just feel like the Pac-12 just kind of showed, like, you know, we're out of the Chip Kelly, USC, Reggie Bush days where the Pac-12 is the Pac-12 to, like, hey, we might be going out of that. Thank God for this 12-team playoffs coming up so we can actually get someone in. But at the end of the day, USC is their biggest chance to make it. Do I see them coming out unscathed? No, because USC has always shown they lose that one game, and then it's over for them. Their program falls apart. Two years later, they hire a new head coach, thinking it'll fix their problem. I mean, if anything, for the Pac-12, you might have, like, it seemed like Washington that comes out. And because I know Washington used to be, like, another program that would finish, like, in the top eight, another team that's made the playoffs previously. It's possible they could have a good season and then make it there as well. But just on the way that everything's looking right now, USC is definitely going to be the Pac-12's best chance at making a New Year's Six or if not the playoffs. So speaking about making chances and all that, I'm a big fan of early predictions. Too early to even say, probably put my foot in my mouth. But I want to talk about your top four playoff teams after week one and why they proved it to you. Sober, you want to start that off? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really hard to go against Alabama, Georgia at the top spots. I mean, Alabama, they look dominant. Granted, it's against Utah State, who outmatched. But, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. And mm-hmm. that, that sometimes that says a lot. Um when it comes to college football, they did what they're supposed to do. They even shut them out. So, I mean, that's, you know, 
that's that's good. Um, second, I go with Georgia. I mean, Georgia they they had a very impressive performance against Oregon. Just absolutely, just beat the wheels off. People were expecting Georgia to take a big step back because they lost so much uh, in the NFL draft. But I mean, that defense is pretty much plug and play at this point. Hey, next guy, step up. Good. Reload. Yeah. It's reload Kirby season. Smart's really, really doing his thing. Georgia. Number three, um, I think Ohio State's going to come out of the Big the Big Ten, uh, maybe with a loss. I don't see them running the table, but I definitely think Ohio State's going to come out and they're going to get that third spot just because they've got too much offensive firepower. I think I, I just think they're they'll they're going to overwhelm some teams in that conference. And then at four, I'm actually going to go with the team that Ohio State just beat and say Notre Dame because, I mean, Notre Dame, we all know that they, they fi- always find a way to weasel their way into that, like, into those talks. And I think they have a pretty, a pretty decent schedule coming up. Uh, they've got uh, USC uh, later on down the line who, I mean, if USC, USC looks good, the, that's a good quality. Mm-hmm. That the Ohio State game was so close for as long as it was, I think that might actually work in Notre Dame's favor. This, this is a really good loss on the road. They were in the hung with them. That'll help Notre Dame's cause at the end of it. So you're seeing possibly two rematches happening in the playoffs this year. Um, no, it'll be Alabama, Notre Dame, and then. Georgia, Ohio State, the way I got it. Mm-hmm. But it, well, then like, the poss- possible national championship yeah, rematch. Possible na- national championship match, definitely. Okay, okay. I'm down for that. I'm down for that. Ash, I want to hear. I want to hear some strong hot takes out here. To be honest, I, I don't know what hot takes I have for you. I mean, the top four right now is is all looking pretty accurate. I mean, you have number one, number three, Alabama and Georgia. The way they came out and just played today, they they definitely deserve those spots in the top five at at minimum. And then, I mean, Notre Dame with the loss, I, I don't know if I want to necessarily agree to say that they'll have a complete bounce back with the rest of the season. I definitely think the way that they held Ohio State uh, – and control and control that first half. I think they're definitely going to end up in the top ten, but I don't know if I want to say they're going to end up in that top four. I would still say Alabama the number one team just because of they have their Heisman quarterback who's returning. They have a lot of people that are still going to be developing on the team there as well. Number two, I mean Ohio State, the way that they rebounded that second half against Notre Dame to come back and win. And then the way that CJ Stroud was playing last year, he wasn't playing super well this week, but I definitely could see him also making improvements, possibly even being the Heisman winner this year. So I'll keep Ohio State at number two. Number three, Georgia, just for the same reasons I previously mentioned. They're the uh what's the what's the word I'm looking for? They're the current national champs. And yeah. so I think that they're gonna have another opportunity to at least compete for it, if not end up being in the national championship again. And then Clemson at number four. I mean, that's where they're currently ranked at. I could see it happening just because that's what Dabo has done as a program up until this last year in 2021. They've been a constant team that's either making the playoffs or is up there in the top five, top six. So I, no bold predictions for me, honestly. Like the top four you got right there, It's I can see it. So I'm going to bring the hot and spicy predictions in. 
because I like being proved wrong. So number one team, I have Georgia being the number one seed. Just I, I feel like defending national champion, they have the better win as of right now between any of the top five teams. Number two, I have Alabama. I feel like Alabama is just going to be one step behind Georgia after this week just because the team ranking, uh, the team they beat. Oregon, higher-ranked team, Utah State from the Mountain West Division. And then you got Iowa at number three. I feel like Iowa is going to be that dark horse that everyone says, like, hey, they could make it if some things fall. Things fall this year. They're going to shock the world. set me up for disappointment. It's not Set disappointment. Me up for so much disappointment. When when you see when you see Iowa's number three when them college football playoffs are last revealed, you're going to thank me. I mean, y'all are playing Alabama, but you're going to you're going to be like this man knows what he's talking about. And number four, October twenty second, we're going into Columbus and shocking the Buckeyes. Continue shocking the Buckeyes. At me if I'm wrong. But and then number four, I have. FSU coming in there. They're going to beat Dabo Sweeney. So I'm predicting both the Florida rivals against each other, then Alabama versus Iowa coming out. There's, there's The only double conference is the SEC this year. Pac-12, Big 12, pack your bags. Thanks for playing. Have fun in your New Year's Six Bowls. And, yeah, that's the hot takes I have after week one. And then speaking about hot takes that could possibly happen, I want to get a little bit of week two with key marquee matchups that you see starting off. Starting with Ash, how you what key markups that, that you see? Uh, I mean, the key ones that we're looking at this coming week, I mean, you obviously have Alabama-Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one that I'll say for you just because you have a, a stronger relationship to that. The one that I'm looking at, Power 5 versus Power 5 team, is Iowa versus Iowa State because, I mean, this is also one of those matchups that I was talking about earlier where you don't have a whole lot of uh, – the Big 12 did not play many other Power 5 conferences this week. This is one of the first opportunities to compare the Big 12 to another Power 5 conference. And, of course, it's another small local rivalry rivalry for the people in Iowa as well. To just is that the get Golden a basis of That's the Cyhawk. Cyhawk, yep. Oh, Okay. I can't remember them rivalry trophies. Yeah, I wish it had a better name to it, like the Corn Bowl or something, but no, it's just the Cyhawk rivalry. <laughs> so who you got in that game? I So right now the spread is currently three and a half points favored towards Iowa. I mean, Iowa has the home field advantage. They have the more powerful defense, obviously, as long as the defense can continue playing this next week out. They did this previous week. I mean, holding South Dakota State to only three points. I would like to think that the Big 12 has a little bit more offense than that, but I think that uh, South Dakota State being the top-ranked FCS team that they were, that maybe Iowa could put some points up. I think a final score of 24-21 to 21 Hawkeyes would be appropriate. I like that. I like that. Not not too hot on that one. What about you, Soper? Uh, the matchup that really sticks out to me right now is uh, quarterback going Will Levis and Richardson. Well, very Winner of this game, Georgia, probably on 
I do have a one slightly pulling away towards the end, 28 to 17. And I think it's going to be a pretty interesting Okay. So the two marquee matchups I have, obviously, Alabama-Texas. Not going to do too much on that one because I believe Alabama's just the better team. Texas hasn't been in relevancy in about a handful of years, and Alabama does have Bryce Young coming off a five touchdowns in the first half game. Will Anderson, arguably the best defensive player this year alone in college football. And you have these young receivers that just had a tune-up game. They're going to take that next step. I have Alabama winning 48-14. to But the game I want to talk about is USC versus Stanford. And I believe, I don't have the point spread right now, but I know USC is heavily favored in that. But I believe Stanford comes in and upsets the Trojans to a 14-10 win and knocks the Pac-12 completely out of orbit for any playoff talks. Get rid of the Pac-12, please. It's definitely possible to happen. Because, like, I mean, last year, Stanford was a team that upset Oregon Oregon right after they beat Ohio State the week prior. So, I mean, it's definitely possible. I I, I don't want to – I don't know if I want to make the bold prediction to say that USC's losing to Stanford, but I definitely can see what you're talking about where it might be a matchup where the USC's fan base kind of overlooks it, expects it to be more of a walkaway game, and then the Stanford Cardinal just keep it a little bit – a little bit scarier and closer than expected. Last eight years, Stanford has been like that – upset machine because I remember they beat Oregon in overtime a handful of years back. They just beat Oregon last year. They beat USC before it. Stanford is a, is a college that can pull that off. And before we uh, get off the show, real Christian quick, McCaffrey kicked our ass at the uh, Rose bowl back in 2015. I so. remember that he ran from coast to coast. I was on- there. Oh. <laughs> I was at that game. The, the, the tailgate was fun. It was a cool experience going to the Rose Bowl, but the game was thumbs down. Oh, y- y- y'all went to a bar and drink afterwards. I wasn't old enough. I wasn't old enough back then. Oh, okay. And um, some big news actually dropped this week, and I want to get y'all's two opinions on, which is the 12-team college playoff expansion in 2026. Soper, how do you feel about this one? Oh, man, I mean, I like it. hard not to like it. I'm a big fan of the You know, teams maybe um, just enough where you get all five or five. And then a couple at large. I'm not going to turn my nose up at 12 teams like some people will. Um, I think there's going to be upset. Maybe not right away, but I think I think the I think the formula is that we're upset. You know, we'll just have to see how the committee goes about ranking. That's a big thing, you know. We remember in the BCS, like when the BCS switch over to the playoff, you had teams like TCU uh, before they moved to the uh, uh, Big Twelve, and then Boise they would be in that rank three to four. So we went to the four playoff. They were. Um, then you had those teams getting, you know, booted back a little bit further. You know, do we see a situation like that where the committee starts to re-rank the, um, you know, re-rank the criteria and like, okay, your teams like uh, Houston and Cincinnati or in your uh, the American Athletic Conference, those teams like get pushed back even further to the line. 
or do they keep with the current ranking criteria and get those teams still in that like you know top seven range at the end of the season? That's my biggest question about it. Okay. And Ash, I know we talked about this a little off camera, but I want the audience to know how you feel about this expansion personally. So originally I was a fan of ex- of looking for the expansion. This, this originally came to mind to me back in 2017, how uh, you had Georgia and Alabama both made the playoffs. And it's thinking, well, why are two teams from the same conference making the playoffs if only four teams can make it? To me, that, does, that doesn't seem very objectively fair because, I mean, if there's only four teams that can make it, there's five conferences that are the powerful five conferences, power five. You would think that it, would, it should be four conference champions. I know that, granted, the SEC teams, normally one of them is the ones that wins the championship. But, I mean, an auto bid was the main thing that I thought was missing from the current playoff, uh, ex- playoff not expansion, the current playoff standings. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of bowl games, like coming from the Big Ten, uh, talking about the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl is a big deal for us. The Pac-12, the Rose Bowl is a big deal for them. We have the auto bid where if you win their conference and you're not going to the playoffs, you go to the Rose Bowl. Part of the reason which makes it so special for it. Whereas, like, I mean, I was always a fan of the 14 playoff just because I just thought the one critique they could have made better was who they voted to get into it. Because if you're going to put the four best teams in the playoffs, what's to determine who the four best teams are if it's just a number in front of them? Whereas, like, four conference champions would be objective. What I like about the 12-team playoff is that they are implementing auto bids for all five of the conference champions and then they, the highest-ranked group of five conference champions. So it's definitely introducing some auto bids in there. You may see, like, a team that went – Eight and four weaseled their way into the conference championship. Somehow weasels a win there, and now they're a they're the five seed going into the the playoffs for the national championship. It's gonna, I mean, I'm not saying it's gonna happen every year, but it's gonna happen every now and then, and it's gonna be a really exciting thing to see. And I mean, I was expecting an expansion to maybe six teams, maybe eight teams, but twelve teams. Initially, I was thinking why twelve, but then I saw that the teams that are seated five through eight are going to get a home field game against the teams that are seated 9 through 12. So what I'm picturing is just, what if you're that team that just barely misses the conference championship, but you had a pretty good season. You went 11-1. and one, You went 10-2. and two. You're sitting there. You're ranked, let's say, number 8, and you're hosting the, the number 9 team in a playoff at a home game. I just picture that being the absolute most insane atmosphere that you've ever seen in college football. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be, it's going to be like rivalry weekend all over again. My, and it's, it's a this. team that, a team that you're going to see like in a different conference as well because like of course like, you have like the big names in your conference that you play every few years that everybody comes to town for you get loud for this is like where you could possibly be seeing like let's just say Texas A and M is ranked number seven and they're hosting number ten, I don't know let's just say like Florida State and it's just you you'll you'll see these big name matchups where just people are showing up showing out and just getting loud and crazy. It's, it's going to be fun in their college town. Imagine a team like Coastal Carolina, who already has <laughs> a fan base, gets that like speed, that, that sixth birth, and they host a playoff game. The, the mullets, the blue turf. Like, I mean, like that's like that, that, that's, that's what I, that's what I'm hoping for, for this, uh, this, um, you set up. I, I want to see it. I'm here for it. Yeah. 
I'm here for it. And my thoughts and opinions on this, I feel like people are going to complain after two or three years because they're going to see the same five, six, seven teams keep going because you know them conference bids. And nine out of ten times, it's going to be the same conference champions. Can we agree? Pac-12, Big 12 might be a little different, but the ACC, SEC, and Big 10 are kind of run by them four, four teams that kind of hold a gridlock on everything. But I do agree with you on this. Having that home game for the six through eight or five through eight team is going to be huge. Money. Oh, not the, even the money, just the atmosphere, the the experience of that. Like, just imagine being a a kid at, at that college campus because you get cheaper tickets and you just experience like you're like how you say Coastal Carolina facing off against an Alabama. And it, I'm also. It, Oh, go ahead. Oh, what were you saying, man? Oh, yeah. I was picturing, like, what if you have, like, a Big Ten team? Like, you have a team up there like uh, Minnesota. It gets really cold in Minneapolis, and then they are hosting a playoff game in December, January against, like, Miami. It's oh. just an atmosphere they're not going to be used to, and it's just – it's going to play such a huge factor in that. I mean, I know that, like, they play, like, Boston College and stuff, but you just have, like – let's just picture any Southern team, really, that's just going up to – cold Minneapolis for for a football game. It's going to be tough. That is going to be awful. Yeah. I, but it's, it's cold. You know, Boston, you know, it's it's cold and wet. You know, you can, you know, the air's the air's wet. You can deal with it a little bit. But Minnesota, that's, that, <laughs> that's, that's that, that's that cold. <laughs> it's that brick. is a whole different beast. And I do have, uh, have y'all enjoyed. Hopefully y'all did. Soper, thanks. Ash, I want I want you to tell my audience a little bit about your podcast, Pay Your Dues, so they can come check you out on all social media platforms. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my podcast, Pay Your Dues, uh, pretty much the premise of my podcast is it's very informal, a lot of banter. We very loosely follow the kind of conversations that people would have who are or were involved in Greek life in college. So if you're one of the boys and you are indeed about the banter, uh, pay your dues. We are on all the audio platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Also, you could find us on TikTok and Instagram. Yes, sir. I did enjoy having y'all on. And always remember, open your playbook and see y'all later.